podcast 25 episodes like how did i make it i have no idea but i want to thank you all for listening thus far uh today i'm going to be going over a few things i'm gonna try to make it a little faster than normal try to get through it just because i pretty much am recording later than what i normally do i have to get up early for my son's uh, virtual learning and like I'm not home let's just be perfectly honest but I mean let's talk about that virtual learning I mean it's just something that I really did not expect it to be I mean last year for the most part my son's mother sat through the whole process with him I'm sorry I didn't even introduce myself I'm Keith Small (laughs) <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, welcome to the Muvio's podcast. But anyway, my son's mother uh, did a majority of everything like um, when school ended and my son, he was taking a few summer classes. So because of her line of work, she was able to focus on everything that he had to have done Um dealing with the classes and doing everything on the computer. So I figured that it would be okay uh, to do everything, like to handle everything on my own, only to find out that for the schools, like the way things are set up, first thing was we had to have their computer now just to give you a bit of insight what they give us is a netbook a google chrome to be more exact and me i'm recording this podcast on an alienware computer that i eventually plan on doing video podcasts so yeah, you can you can see the discrepancy. Um, my microphone is like a a blue snowball, and like I have to use their microphone. Their camera is, eh. but anyway, when it comes to the way that it connects to the internet, like my laptop, solid connection. Everything goes through. Sound is good. Picture quality is very good. But when it comes to the Chromebook, calls drop. There's latency issues. It's it's an annoying thing. Uh, Not to mention something that we didn't have to deal with, which is my son is nine. So... Like they have numerous subjects, you know, music and social studies and English and math. And they pretty much, my nine year old child has to navigate about seven different screens. Like he has to 
have his email open, which is an email that they gave to him so that he can get into the morning chat. Then he goes from his morning chat to a little whatever subject they go into, like as a special. Then they go from a special back to the same teacher that they did the morning chat with. Then they go on to... Um, what is it? They have their little breaks and then they go have interaction with each other and their main teachers dealing with whatever they're dealing with. Then they go into a whole nother subject. Then they have to go into an English app. Then they have to go into a math app. Then they have lunch. Then they come back. They go over math live, then they go over English live, then they go over whatever special subject they have for the day, and then they go from there. Well, my my son is a special needs child, so he goes from there to his special needs teacher pretty much until the end of the day. And just navigating all of that with a nine-year-old is something else, especially when their teacher has trouble keeping the screens together. And I totally commend all of the teachers, be it something like a preschool, some type of uh, intermediate care, or um, all the way up to college because these teachers are dealing with something that they don't usually deal with. I mean, granted, there are some college professors who do virtual learning and for them, okay, they're used to it, they're prepared. But for all of the other teachers who have to do this, like this is a whole nother thing. For everyone's computer to just be synced up. Even if you have the same computers, there are computers that are dropping off. There are computers that are clicking out with the visual signals. Audio is dropping out. Just all kinds of problems are coming about with this. And this is just a teacher, let alone the students who, in my son's case, everyone's nine years old. So kudos to all of the teachers who are out there who are dealing with this, who are navigating through this COVID period. My prayers are with you. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing. Thank you for accommodating our children, especially through this. You guys are underpaid and very much underappreciated. Just wanted to make sure that you knew that you are appreciated by myself, Keith Small, and the Muvios podcast. Okay, well, I guess that would just be me, but also my son's mother. So there we go. You at least have us too. So this week has been uh, pretty interesting. Quite a few things that we've dealt with. Um, Like I said, I want to keep this short. 
Um, we're going to uh, go over a few things that have happened in the LGBTQ uh, community as far as politics, as well as uh, go over a possible cover-up um, or several cover-ups, uh, things that have been going on in immigration, as well as an update on the Breonna Taylor case. But first, have you guys ever seen the Minority Report? It's a Tom Cruise movie that was directed by Steven Spielberg back in, I want to say 2002. Yeah, Um, the whole premise was uh, Washington, D.C. in 2054, I want to say that was. And what they were doing was they were finding out that people were going to do a crime so they arrest them before the crime actually happened well ladies and gentlemen that reality is here as a matter of fact a business insider had reported that in central florida a sheriff launched an ai algorithm that predicts who might commit a crime and as it stands 21 families were singled out and pretty much harassed. Surprise! Yeah, this is pretty much how it goes. They're just coming up with any thing that they can come up with and just harassing these people. Um, Basically, one of the the things that that has happened is people were charged with zoning violations until the police could come up with another charge. Now, as a black person, (laughs) I can tell you that this is very infuriating and it is very draining. If someone is coming to you every day and harassing you and bullying you, accusing you of doing a crime, like this is why the stop and frisk thing was such a major issue then i can assure you that the mental health of the people who are living in central florida who are dealing with this the 21 families are really pulling their hair out at this point i mean i can't think of anything that is more well there are a few things but i can't think of much that's more frustrating than to be constantly harassed by the police because a computer algorithm predicted that you might commit a crime it's ridiculous so because I want to move forward and I want to get through um, these these things that I've seen, uh, let's go over some happier news, shall we? Uh, the Hill has um, brought to my attention uh, something that is actually groundbreaking. So, congratulations to Geo Neptune. The Hill had reported last week that Geo Neptune became the first openly transgender person elected to public office in Maine. 
um, when they were voted into the school board in Indian Township last week. Um, there were quite a few people running for various positions, but Neptune secured 155 votes, making Neptune uh, the top vote getter in in the election, not just for the particular thing that Neptune was running for, but out of everyone. So kudos to, uh, to Maine for becoming a more um, diverse community um, and for accepting uh, Geo Neptune. And apparently a lot of people have faith in Geo to do a great job with the school board. Um, also, LGBTQ Nation um, reported that uh, former educator Stephanie Byers could actually be the first out trans person in uh, Kansas leg- legislator. Why can I not speak today? It's a tongue ring. That's what it is. I'm, I'm blaming it on the tongue ring. But yes, uh, Stephanie Byers had actually been an educator or a teacher for, I want to say, 25 to 29 years. And Stephanie actually retired uh, from being a teacher and was notorious for fighting for just having things um, done to better the lives of teachers and acquiring things for teachers as well as the students, sometimes administrators, but actually education as a whole. So if Stephanie Byers is elected, then first of all, that would be freaking amazing. Um, but it definitely would be a big step for education in Kansas, which, I mean, anything that can go for our American education, anything that can help the teachers would be greatly appreciated because we do not value our teachers enough. So big shout out again to all of my teacher friends and family members who could possibly be listening to this, including my awesome chemistry teacher cousin who is one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, But let's get through this because we're already 15 minutes in. Uh, The... Associated Press had uh, reported that after leaving a fundraiser at a local bar, or I'm sorry, after leaving a Republican uh, fundraiser at a local bar, uh, South Dakota's Attorney General Jason Ravenbork reportedly called in uh, hitting a deer on Saturday evening. Sunday morning, it actually turns out that that deer was actually 55-year-old Joseph uh, Bover, Boever, Boever. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm probably butchering this man's name. But 
it turns out that uh, Joseph had been uh, returning to the scene of a car accident that he himself had earlier that day, only to be struck down by uh, the attorney general. And the attorney general supposedly called that in, called in that he hit a deer and just kept going, did not stay. It's... It sounds very suspect, especially since a spokesperson for the department would not confirm, as it appears, this whole situation is uh, still under investigation. So hopefully we can have some answers as to what happened to, uh, to Mr. Joseph. He... His last day on earth was apparently a very, very bad one. Very unfortunate one to have a car accident and then be struck by the attorney general. It almost feels like final destination. Um, so uh, next story, Yahoo News had actually reported that um, Monday, uh, Dawn Wooten had reported something that is truly terrifying. A private ICE detention center had been not only refusing to test for COVID-19, but also had been removing the uterus of any detainee whose um, menstrual cycle was quote-unquote too intense they are just taking it upon themselves to just remove it. And uh, the detainees have been taken in for medical procedures that they did not ask for, nor did they know was coming, only to wake up with their ovaries removed. So um, this had all been witnessed at Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia. Now, this is by far one of the more sinister things that I have read. When I see this story, I feel that every person should be up in arms about this. And the reason why, or the people who it should affect, are not only the left and the liberals, but also the conservatives, the all lives matter and the anti-abortion people, just because they are destroying people's bodies. They are taking away the chance at life. So rather you are pro-life, um, anti-abortion, um, if you are pro-choice, whatever, they've taken, they've taken away this choice. And these, and they're doing it without consent. And realistically, I mean, they are treating these people as if like, I mean, I know they like to say that because you're not a citizen, you don't have rights, but these are human rights. These are things that you can't do in any country. 
what will end up happening is this country is going to be sued so bad. Like, it is unfathomable that someone thought that this was a good idea. Like, how do you get it in your mind? Oh, this person is is having heavy menstruation. Yeah, we won't give them, you know, tampons or pads or whatever. We're just going to remove their ovaries. We're going to remove their their uterus and they won't have that problem again. Are you fucking kidding me? Like how? And how is this going on for so long? Like, there's no real word on how long this has been going on, but it's been going on for months, possibly years. And no one reported it. Like, everyone was okay. Everyone was just like, as long as we have a job. When, Where was the... Where was the point where someone actually said enough is enough? Like, how long was dawn sitting on this on this secret how many people deaths did the paperwork for this have to go across and just approved or pushed to the side that's what i would like to know because this this cannot go unchecked this is this is ridiculous this is a blatant attack on human rights and I hate to go into talking about the president for this because this isn't necessarily the president's direct job but I feel that this needs to be spoken upon by someone this needs to be addressed not just spoken upon something needs to be done to rectify this situation which nothing actually can i mean they're mutilating people's bodies they're taking things that they weren't supposed to take they're doing things to people who came here for asylum these poor people have traveled from country to country to avoid whatever terrors are going on in their home countries only to have a whole different type of terror be done to them and the threat of being sent back to their countries some of the people are citizens of the united or not citizens but some of these people have been in the united states and have no idea like what's going on outside of the country because the United States is pretty much the only thing they've known since they've been two or four some very young age my prayers go out to everyone who's been affected by this I'm coming up on 23 minutes let me get this last story out of the way pretty quickly Um, so yesterday morning CNN had uh, reported that there's been some small amount of redemption for the death of Breonna Taylor. Uh, There was an announcement that the city of Louisville, Kentucky had reached a settlement 
in the wrongful death lawsuit. Um, there was a settlement of $12 million and um, there were a few law changes or law adjustments, which is nice. It's a nice start. However, what happened to the to the judge who signed on the no-knock warrant that led to her death? What happens to the officers who shot and killed Breonna Taylor? What happened to that? What what happens to the officers who arrested and charged um, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend who tried to defend them when these people broke into the house and started shooting at them? Like, what happens? What happens? Because they tried to get uh, Ken- Kenneth, they tried to get him to sign paperwork to say that Brianna was part of a drug cartel? Come on. The corruption runs deep. So, yeah, $12 million? Oh, yeah, that's nice. But um, actual justice would be nice. It's actual justice would be significantly better. Um, I'm not going to hold you guys too much longer. I have stuff to take care of, plus I have to get up in a few hours. I'm not really doing this whole thing, but I want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate everyone who's still been reaching out, people who still have been uh, giving me suggestions, pointing out things, uh, people who've been sending me text messages or emails or links on Twitter or Facebook. I truly appreciate it. A lot of times stories fall into my lap, but sometimes there are things that just slip past me and you guys have been keeping your eye out. Um, Also, I do look forward to uh, interviews, interviews that I have to just arrange times and dates Uh, Some people are going to be over the phone. Some people are going to be face-to-face if they're comfortable, given the whole COVID craziness that we're dealing with. Um, But I do appreciate everyone who's been out there. Uh, Shout out to the Blur Bar. I truly appreciate that podcast. It is definitely entertaining uh, for me and I hope to not only eventually have Sterling on, but I hope somewhere in the future to have everyone from the Blur Bar on. But that's later down the line. I would like to thank you all again for listening to the Muvios podcast and you guys enjoy the rest of your day. This episode of Muvio's podcast has been created, recorded, produced, and edited by Keith Small. You can reach the podcast via Muvio's Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.